This morning, I'm invigorated to share with you. There's much that has happened this week that we're going to try to weave a little bit of this into the message. If you've been here before, and most of you have, you know that I don't believe there's any mistakes. And the reason that I believe that is because of what I see in Scripture over and over and over. You can write yourself into the Bible this morning, my friends, because God already did that for you. And what you're about to hear, what you're about to see, what we're going to unravel applies to each person here this morning. Whether you already name Him as Lord and Savior, or whether you're still waiting for that veil to be lifted from your face so that you truly understand, what we're going through this morning is for everyone, and it is inspirational. How many of you love change? Oh, all of you. That's great. That's fantastic. The Mac guy over here loves change. It's very, very refreshing. A lot of us don't like change. But you know, Scripture is really clear about new versus old and what happens to a person, what happens to an individual when they experience salvation, when they experience reconciliation. And so this morning, the title of our message is The New Has Come. I have one question for you. I want, I want you to hold on to this question. We're going to ask it multiple times over and over and over. Here it is. Are you ready? What does new look like? What does new look like? Reconciled. Excellent. Does anybody notice anything new on me? Well, thank you, Jennifer. Actually, I just took these off the rack. Yes, the glasses. I got new glasses. I can now see you all and I can see this at the same time. So there's no excuses, apparently. What does new look like? For you what does new look like when god is involved several years ago I, I have a very simple question for you that that i need you to answer how many of you know when i say this phrase how many of you know what i'm speaking about blue light special raise your hand if you know what i'm talking about so all of you are aware of that wonderful garage band from santa clarita back in the late 80s all fans huh that's awesome we never knew we had any fan base that's right. I was part of a band that called themselves Blue Light Special. And that's the funnest part about being in a band is finding your band name. And so, uh, so one of our endeavors, um, we went from garage to garage to garage. We played a lot of garage scene. And uh, most of it was, as a matter of fact, all of it was practice. But we did have one gig that we did. We went down to, um, actually we had three, but I won't tell you about the other two. This was the most illustrious. You know, if you form a band and you want to go somewhere and play without anybody complaining, I recommend Skid Row. Go down to Skid Row, play in Skid Row, nobody will complain about it. You might have things thrown at you, but nobody will complain about it. So my friends and I, we were uh, matched up with somebody that was doing homeless ministry, and we decided that we were going to go down and do a concert for um, the folks that lived in downtown on the streets at this place called Another Planet, which was a converted old gas station that was kind of a hangout cultural arts center for those that were on the street. And uh, the, the dangerous part was <laughs> there was weather heading in. And so we gathered up, you know, all of our equipment in our Ford Pintos and our Gremlins and all that. 
And we loaded, I wasn't kidding when I said blue light special. So we loaded it all up and we headed down to downtown and we had all three of our groupies with us. They were our girlfriends. And, um, and so we go down and we had one other person with us. Uh, a, a friend of our guitarist, actually his girlfriend brought a friend. And we picked this gal up and she was a mess. She was an absolute mess. Her name is Paula. She was 16 and she was living with her 25-year-old boyfriend down in Santa Monica, and she informed us that that was the first night in 31 days she had not been on coke. And so we're thinking, okay, God, why is Paula with us? What's going on here? So we go down, and, and we're, we're, uh, we're doing our thing out there, and it gets very eclectic. People are lighting off flares, and there's like all this weird stuff going on, and then the rain starts coming, which is really bad because I played bass, and yet I borrowed equipment, and my bass amp was an open rack in a milk carton, and it wasn't grounded. And I think, I think our drummer, who was his equipment, really got a big kick out of it because every time I would touch a string, I'd get an electric shock. So it made me play. It, it actually explains a lot of who I am now. <laughs> so uh, we're playing out there. But one thing for sure, you know, I got a mild concussion just from playing. But if it's going to rain, we better pack everything up. So we're packing everything up, and, and we had our little thing. And, and so I'm talking with a friend of mine, and, and then I notice the, the other two guys in the band are missing. They're gone. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm putting away all the equipment and, and doing my duty out here, and, and, uh, these, and I'm getting wet, and these guys are gone. And so later on, I, I, I asked, where'd you guys disappear to? And they said, well, we were having a very long and interesting talk with Paula. And we were trying to share Christ with her. I was like, oh, well, you know, I was sharing Christ with 18 people out there, too. I'll tell you what happened at the end of today's sermon with Paula. Our scripture this morning is based out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And as we move forward, I'm going to have just portions of scriptures that we're going to look at this morning. But I'm going to read the entire uh the entire passage as we move through. But this morning we're going to start with the first verse, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What does new look like? Well, let me run you through a couple things. Number one, what this scripture says is that if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. What does that mean, that we are a new creation? First of all, let's start with if we're in Christ. That simply means this, that we came to an understanding, and, and if, you, if you back it up a few verses from 17, 14, 15, 16, you'll see the context where Paul says this. He says, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. Now, when you don't know Christ, all you have is the flesh. All you have is this all you have and how you relate to everything is in a, a uh, naturalistic and materialistic way. That's where your mind is. That's how you regard things. But Paul says we don't even re- kind of review Christ or see Christ in the flesh anymore. Instead, now, because we know Christ, we look at Him according to the Spirit. My friends, that's why the challenge is there. That's why we're stuck in the old. Because until Christ comes, until God draws us to Him, all we can see is the reality of what we live in. The permeation of the yuck is the theological statement for that. 
You, you and I do not have the capacity to look at things spiritually unless the Spirit of God resides in us. When that moment comes and God draws us to Him, there's something supernatural that happens that instantaneously you commit in faith to Christ. Christ commits to reconciling you to the Father and you are new. You are a new creation. Now you see things differently because you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Whereas before you couldn't. This is what it means to be a new creation. Now it works itself out in, in very specific ways later on. Number one, think about it in these terms. All we have to do is go to verse 21 of this passage. It says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, for your sake... God sent His Son. His Son took on the penalty of our sin. He who knew no sin took on your sin, took on my sin. Why? So that I can be saved. So I can be reconciled. And we'll get into definition of what that means. So what does it mean that the old has passed away and the new has come? Romans 8, 1-11 gives us a great description. You can turn there. But I only have a portion of this listed for you this morning. Just make a sub-note that you want to look at the whole context there. Romans 8, 3-4 says this, and this is in query to the question, the old is past and the new has come. So what, what's the issue with the old versus the new? What does this actually look like? Paul says this to the church in Rome. He says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Remember, that's what I just said, right? That we operate by the law because that's all we can understand. And you're going to see the contrast between the law and the Spirit. If we do not have the Spirit of God, we're going to regard everything according to the flesh and the law. But what's it say? It says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. This is going to sound just like our passage that we're looking at this morning. Why? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's the difference between the old and the new. It is being able to understand and live within the scope of spiritual understanding where you couldn't do it before. Why could you not do it? Because you were holding on to the old. You and I were holding on to the old. So there's a question with this. If we move into the new out of the old, does that mean we don't sin anymore, Pastor? Pastor, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and I've trusted Jesus as my Savior, but, Lord, but, but I know that I sin still. So am I still old? You see the graphic, right? It's a new light bulb, but it still has a chandelier in it. There's the appearance of new, but there's still something inside of that that kind of reminds us of the old. There's a transformation that's happening. So what do you do with sin? Do, do we instantly, because we're new creations, because of this ministry of reconciliation, do we no longer sin? Well, let me give you... a let me give you a story to help you understand this a little bit. Uh, a, house mom, a house mom was uh, in her living room, and her son, Zachary, age four, came screaming out of the bathroom to tell, me that, or to tell her that he dropped his toothbrush in the toilet. 
So she fished it out. She threw it in the garbage. That's what you would do, right? We just want to clarify that. Okay? Obviously. It's, it's as we affectionately would say, it is now tainted. All right? So her son Zachary stood there thinking for a moment. Then he ran into the bathroom and came out with his mom's toothbrush. He held it up and said with a charming little smile, we better throw this out then too, Mom, because it went in the toilet last week. <laughs> now for you germaphobes, you're about to hurl. But I tell you that story because we all look at it and say, of course we're going to throw it out. Who would continue to use it? Folks, that's the challenge we have with this issue of the new and the old. Is that that old is tainted, that old is sin-latent. And we'll describe this coming up. How do you come to grips with it? And it's all from God's perspective, not our perspective. So does God just throw us out? Because He makes us new? Does He start over? He cleanses that which is contaminated. And makes us new. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He changes out the old for the new. And why? Because we're aware of the damage that's there. Let me give you two things that we've been talking about all year that are going to help you with this. Number one, abiding in Christ. This is our theme this year. John 15 speaks to this. You see the first John 2, 5 through 6 passage that's here, and it says, But whoever keeps his word, he being Christ, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, last week I talked about Peter and Peter's inability to hold up to his promises, right? And what did Jesus do? Did Jesus say, I'm done with you, Peter? We're finished? We're gone? Or did he reconcile Peter unto himself and say, follow me, Peter. I'm going to establish you in the work that I had laid out from you before the creation of time. He did the latter. But what Christ does is He does this cleansing. He does the throwing away of the damaged parts continually through confession and forgiveness. And that price was paid. That's what makes it so valuable. He who knew no what? Became so that we might become God's righteousness. It's called our sanctification, and it's constantly, constantly happening. So as we look at this, number one, we want to be abiding in Christ. If we're abiding in Christ, then we're becoming that new person. Secondly, we need to be bearing fruit. Let's look at what this kind of doesn't look like. James 3, 10-12. And again, I've got some context there, 226 through 3, 6 through 12, but I'm just going to quote you the 10 through 12. Now, it's, you know, Christians are people, those new creations are people who don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex, apparently, um, don't listen to rock and roll, and don't cuss. Once you get all five of those things down, you're that new creation, right? Anybody grow up in that church? Yeah, I hear your laughter. Now, Paul also says, don't use your freedom as an excuse for sin. And I think far too often, we just let 
Those who name Christ as Lord and Savior walk around dancing, soireeing, sashaying through a life of sin. And what they're saying is, I'm exchanging the new for the old. I'm going back, I'm going to pick up that toothbrush. One way. One way that we might want to examine what has to change to go from the old to the new. Look at this passage in James 3, 10-12. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. If we're going to be new, then what's going to come out of us is going to be representation of Jesus Christ. So you want to live in the liberties that you want to claim. Here's my encouragement to you. If you see Christ doing it, go after it. If you see, that's your safety zone, folks. You see Christ doing it in the ministries of of the four Gospels, go after it. Live that way. Now you heard my mentor, Dr. Cook, stand up here and say, dumb monkey. I'll never forget it. He said, dumb monkey. And and I could hear the shudder by the modern day parent in the room. (gasps) We don't use that language in our house. That's bad language. Dumb monkey. You should never say monkey. Folks, I'm not talking about... We get so worried about certain little things that we lose track of what's at the heart. Romans 12 says that I need to be transformed. I need to not look or smell like the world if I'm new. I have a couple questions for you. When we ask the question, what does new look like? I have a question. Do you no longer look like the old self? How do other people characterize you? Or as we see in 2 Corinthians 5.15, just a few verses prior, how do you smell? How do you smell? It says this, And He died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. And it says just, just prior to that, that we are the aroma of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ. That when we talk about how we are presented and how we are characterized by others, there would be something that people would gather from you that is Christ-centered. Therefore, we know that there's something new versus the old. We've had multiple people here today participating in ministry that we see that have moved from the old to the new. What about you this morning? Can you categorize, can you see God's work in your hand and in your heart? Old equals this. I'm defined by sin, therefore I'm separated from God. New equals... Through Jesus Christ, God's wrath towards sin is satisfied and we are justified to be restored or reconciled with God because Jesus took our sin. What does new look like? Maybe it's better to say, what does new smell like? Let's go to the second point this morning. New relationship of reconciliation and we're going to move to verse 18. Although or all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry 
of reconciliation. Let's start with number one. All this is from God. This is something that we like to use in terms of saying God's economy. How many of you took that econ class in high school or college, right? And econ, we think of just kind of connected to finance. But when you talk about economy, economy is how everything works together so everything works together. And so when you throw that into the context of how God has designed things to come about, to work, so that we all benefit, that's what it means in God's economy. Part of that economy is that we would be reconciled back to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's answer the question, what is reconciliation? It is being brought into agreement with God. Are you this morning in agreement with God? How many of us on on a flesh level, right? Okay, so let's go back to what we really know. Have been in that argument, have been in that fight with a loved one, and you're no longer talking. Don't raise your hand, because then we're going to have to go to counseling. But you're no longer talking with that person. You are not reconciled. You are polarized. You are split apart. You get that, right? Do you know that it is because of sin that that's exactly what our state is with God? That's where we start. And God said, that's unacceptable to me. Yet God in His own economy says there has to be a sufficient price paid for the penalty of the sin. It is because of sin that we're separated from Him. He says, so a price has to be paid. And that price is, as we heard up here on stage from the mouths of children, is death. But our death could not satisfy a holy God. And so what did He do? He offered us grace. By the way, grace is this great one word to summarize the idea of reconciliation. Because sometimes reconciliation, have you, have you ever reconciled with somebody and took both of you to come together? It's not the same reconciliation. Now, that exists in Scripture, but that's a completely different Greek word than the word that we're talking about here. This is one-way reconciliation. This is the kind of reconciliation that someone's working on our behalf. There's nothing we can do to come together. He has to do it all. And we've had people this week experience that. That's called grace. And as we move forward, let me give you a couple more words here. Brought into agreement with God. United in feeling and aim. You know when there's conflict between you and another person, right? So you don't have that open approachability. That's what it means by feeling, united in feeling. God desires that we would have that united effort in feeling. How about aim? Are your goals the same? What happens when you're working with someone? Remember those school projects, right? My daughters have told me multiple times in the past two weeks, I hate school projects, right? Because then you got to get a collaborative effort by the people involved and you got to have the same what? You got to have the same aim. And that means you're going to have to work together. Is our aim to be reconciled with God, our aim has to be the same. He gives us that understanding. That's how we become new. What does new look like? It looks like grace from God. So that's reconciliation. That helps us answer that question. Let's move to relationship. Our relationship stems from our reconciliation. Think about the kind of relationship that you have because you've been united with somebody versus the polarized relationship of the old. 
It's a new relationship, isn't it? It's a brand new, limitless relationship. And here's the aspect that, that, that we need to speak about just real briefly. That when one comes into faith with Jesus Christ, when one is quote-unquote made new, it's not just about where you're going. By the way, that's great. Read the brochure. It's fantastic. You should sign up for it. But you know what? I came from churches that did... Um, I'm not so far removed. Oh, I feel, I feel so old now. I'm not that far removed from having the week of revival meetings in a church. Right? And when you had the revival meeting in the church... A lot of times, you'd bring somebody through that was a great preacher, and they would preach what? Oh, well, God bless you all for being spared from this, but my day was hellfire and brimstone. Okay? And it's like, if you don't want to go to hell, and you want to go to heaven, you should sign on the dotted line. You know, here's a way to regard this in the flesh. You have an opportunity to get married to this wonderful person and you can gather right up here just like these two did, by the way, congratulations, just like these two did a, a, a week from yesterday. By the way, I'll just use you as an example. Now that you did that ceremony and you signed on the dotted line and I witnessed it along with your, your maid of honor, now don't worry about the relationship. Don't worry about it. You, you, you did it. It's done. You're there. You're married now. Now don't put any energy... Great counseling, right? Don't put any energy into the relationship. They're laughing because they're like, what? That was like nine months. You told us the opposite. <laughs> Folks, when we tell people, accept Jesus Christ because heaven's great. It is. And hell is a very real place and we need to come to terms with that. But relationship with Christ is what it's about. Thank you. It's about... The reconciliation brings us into relationship. I cannot in my own flesh try to reconcile to God. I cannot make God who I want God to be. God is who He is because He's self-defined. And so God, knowing that, knowing how you know, dumb monkey I am, right? He reaches down to me and He pulls me to Himself. He makes me new. The old no longer has a grip on my life. It can be there if I choose to let it be there. But it doesn't have to rule my life anymore. Because I'm new. And God is reconciling me to Himself. The process of that brings about relationship. And my friends, it, the relationship is the most beautiful thing that we can possibly imagine or know. Relationship with God comes through reconciliation by Jesus Christ. This happens because God is drawing us to Him. You know, last week some of you were here. And you saw a new creation happen right here in the service. And it was incredible. It was fantastic. That didn't just happen. There were months, if not years, of prayer. Clay spent months listening in a Bible study on Wednesday night for guys to the things about the faith and about Christ. But at one particular moment, God, John 6, 42, God drew him and reconciled. God wasn't done. Monday, Lynn got a call from someone who had been to Eric's service, someone who's part of the family. And since that service and the things that this individual, this gal had heard during the service, they kept 
moving her and moving her and moving her. And God was seeking relationship with her and kept moving her and kept moving her. And so she went to our website multiple times to try to find how to contact the church and get someone to speak to and talk with and and say, Lord, what are you doing? Help me understand all this. She went to the website, didn't call. Another day, she went to the website, found the information, didn't call. Monday, she went to the website. She's scrolling through. Back in late April, I sent a bunch of stuff to a gal that does our website. And I took the picture of Eric being baptized. And I, I thought, you know what? I, I can't think of a better visual of exalting God. And so we put it under, because we have these, our five E's on our website. And she'd been to that website three other times, never saw it. So she's sitting there, she's crying out to God, she's on the website, and she sees this picture of Eric, and she hears his words, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to change the world. She picked up the phone, she called the office. The next day, she's with our secretary in the park, hearing about Jesus Christ, and being drawn and reconciled into relationship. And she was made new. She was made new. And by the way, it wasn't the pastor who did it was it? Because where we're heading now in this last point is the ministry of reconciliation. But before we get there, I'm going to give you just a couple things to understand how this relationship works. You ready? Number one, our trespasses are no longer held against us. You like that one? What do you think of when you think about that? Do you think about, you know, when you got the ticket, you got pulled over? Do you think about other things? Our trespasses are no longer held against us. By the way, that doesn't give us freedom just to go, go out crazy like a dumb monkey doing whatever we want to do. You got it? Because that breaks the relationship. Adam wouldn't do that to Teresa. Teresa wouldn't do that to Adam because they love each other. That's how this works. Our trespasses are no longer counted against us. Praise God. Next. He who knew no sin became sin for us. What a price to purchase my life. Contemplate that when you're thinking about this relationship. What a price was paid so that you might know new life and be a new person. The result is we are what? We are the living aroma of Christ to others. Just like Lynn this past week for this gal. You and I are the living aroma of Christ to those around us. This becomes our ministry. Each one of us who knows Christ, this becomes our ministry. So you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know I signed up for a ministry. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the fine print, folks. Our becoming new becomes noticeable because of who? Him in us. And my question for you is this. If you recently came to know the Lord, if you came to know the Lord as a teenager through your adult years, was there anybody who noticed a difference? They should. If you're someone who most of the people around you have known you since you've been a believer, but they say you're different than everybody else, you should be hearing that. A noticeable difference. Reconciliation multiplied brings great joy. You experienced that right now when I got to share with you what happened on Monday after what happened on Sunday. It brings great joy, this ministry of reconciliation. Romans 10, 
14 through 17 tells us this. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Okay, so we need to help people understand so they can believe, right? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never what? Heard. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, we hired a preacher. We pay him handsomely. So, you know, we'll have him talk to... Wait a second. I see plural pronouns in here. I don't see... Now, your pastor has the ministry of reconciliation. That's true. I see we have the ministry of reconciliation. Can I encourage you as we head into this last point? Do not forsake the greatest calling you have if you've been made new. Because to pass that joy to someone else, think about what's happened in your own life, to pass that joy to someone else is unbelievable. So you've got to know the words, right? Because it says you've got to be able to preach. So some of us are like, I'm not very good at the words. I'm not, I just don't know the words. Well, I get that. I understand that. That's why we're just going to focus on this Scripture. We're going to make it real simple. And then we're going to turn the rest over to the Lord. And we're going to tell you how to use this so it's very natural. You don't have to walk up to someone's door you don't know. You don't have to stand on the... I mean, if you want to, I, you know, whatever the Lord does for you. But just a natural part of who you are, being the aroma of Christ and giving some kind of an opportunity to raise a question. Once that question happens, this, 1 Corinthians, I'm sec- sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21, gives you what you need to be able to say. So our, our last point, new ministry of reconciliation. These are verses 18-21. through 21. And I'm going to go ahead and read this now. These are your words. Right? And we're going to use 18, we're going to back it up so you can see that God, because He's reconciled us, now we have this ministry of reconciliation. He does it through people. So 18 says this, And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of, of reconciliation. Fantastic. That helps inform me. But you're not going to use that information when you're talking to someone who needs to pass from old to new. Alright? That's for you. File that away. That's your motivational topic. Now we're going to see why we have this ministry. Is it because pastor said I have this ministry? Nope. I'm going to defer to Paul. And Paul's deferring to Christ. So start verse 20. Therefore, because God, in other words, because God's given us this reconciliation to him therefore what we are ambassadors for christ we'll even give you a jacket with a little insignia okay if you you want to wear it around being an ambassador just so you know you are that we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through me right it says me us it says us God makes His appeal through us. And listen to the language Paul uses. We implore. I beg of you. I'm pleading with you. On behalf of Christ, be 
reconciled to God. Do you hear the heart? Do you hear the motivation? Do you hear the passion that is not select to the Apostle Paul? That is for each of us. And that, my friends, is the greatest component that's missing for each of us who've been made new is that we can share that same passion that Paul just used. Now this next part is the part you hang on to. This is the part you use. This is the part you say. For our sake, in other words, because He loved us, He made Him, being Christ, to be sin who knew no sin. Nice love story, right? Why? So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You know the Gospel message is summed up right there. The economy of God and, and this whole idea of reconciliation is summed up right there. You probably should be able to reference some things out of Romans about faith. We're justified by faith. That's good. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But much more beyond that, you've got everything you need right there to get a person to start asking questions. That's your ministry. That's your ministry. Why? Because you have been reconciled. Because I have been reconciled. Do you know why I do what I do? Partially because I've been called to do it. But the major reason is because I see what God did in me. And it drives me. It drives me. It's a little bit hard though, isn't it? It's a little bit difficult. How do we have these conversations with people? As you look at yourself and you ask, how's your ministry? Maybe it's too tall of a task, right? It reminds me of a story of a couple that went to the doctors, elderly couple. And uh, something's wrong with him. So he goes to the doctor after weeks of symptoms. And the doctor examines him carefully. Then he calls the patient's wife into his office and he explains the following. He said, Your husband's suffering from a rare form of anemia. Without treatment, he'll be dead in a few weeks. The good news is, through proper nutrition, you can stop it. You're going to need to get up early every morning and fix your husband a hot breakfast. Pancakes, bacon and eggs, you know, the works. He'll need a home-cooked lunch every day. And then an old-fashioned meat and potato dinner every evening. It'd be especially helpful if you could bake frequently. Cakes, pies, homemade bread. These are the things that will allow your husband to live. Oh, one more thing. His immune system is weak. So it's important that your home be kept spotless at all times. Do you have any questions? The wife had none. She walks out into the uh, waiting room. Doctor says actually to her before she walks out, do you want to break the news or, or shall I, says the doctor. And she says, I'll, I'll do it. So she walks into the examining room. The husband, sensing the seriousness of his illness, asked her, it's bad, isn't it? She nodded, tears welling up in her eyes. What's going to happen to me, he asked. With a sob, the wife blurted out, 
doctor says you're going to die. Folks, when it comes to this ministry of reconciliation, do you know that we often see it as, that's for the other guy. That's too hard. He's not talking about me. That's for the expert. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. How can we practice this ministry? You need to be able to talk through verses 17 through 21. Just use that as your format. You're going to look for an opportunity. Use everyday interactions as a process to be the aroma. What did I use in that opening story? Playing bass. I love I love playing music. So we used really bad music as an opportunity. And if it was really bad, you know, we were from another church. If it was good, we were from the church we were from. Use everyday interactions as a process to be the aroma of Christ to those around you. We're going to do something coming up sometime in the next two weeks. There's a lot coming up. You're going to hear about Multiply. We start next week. Be here. You don't want to miss this. This is going to change our church. Our church is doing wonderfully. Our church is growing by leaps and bounds. Our church has always been a church of love, compassion. And we're seeing so many come into this new reconciliation. We don't just talk about this. We're going to create every opportunity for this to exist now. We're going to give you every opportunity. We're going to have wristbands. Remember those like Live Strong? Which, that was kind of a joke. But anyway, live. Anyway, I won't say anything. I'm not going to go there. Anyway, you see a lot of people walking around with these rubber wristbands. They're great fashion statements. I love them because you know by the, all the ones I'm wearing right now. But we're going to have wristbands made that say reconciled on the inside. It's going to be a black wristband with a white lettering. Because we came out of the darkness to be reconciled. On the front, it's going to say reconciling. Now, how many times have people asked, oh, what's your wristband all about? What did we just do? What did you just do? If you pick up that wristband you commit to wearing it, you've given yourself every opportunity to have the aroma of Christ instantly. Instantly. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21 we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. So what happened? Well, my, my mates had a great conversation in a car that night while I was getting rained on. And I did my thing with this guy's name, Bishop and Manatee and <laughs> all these guys that lived on the street. We went home. Band broke up. The whole world was crushed. Eight months later, I'm walking with the guitarist. We're walking through the Northridge Mall. Have you ever been in that situation where you're walking and somebody catches eyesight with you at a distance and, and you just kind of look at it and you're like, oh, this is getting awkward, right? And, and you're trying to... So this beautiful gal, this is beautiful gal, walking towards Mike and I. And she keeps, you know, looking at us and then looking away, looking at us and looking away, looking at us and looking away. Doing this a lot to the point where we're both like a little freaked out. And uh, we actually passed each other and then we heard this words, Mike, Jeremy. And we turned around and I, I kid you not, it took about five seconds and I said, Paul? 
Mike didn't even recognize her, and he's the one that spoke with her for uh, 45 minutes. And she with tears and just with joy. I cannot tell you how much this was a new person. She told us the story of the change of her life moving from the old to the new. Through Mike and Greg's ministry that night, just because we're out there playing dumb instruments in the middle of the downtown, we created an opportunity. And they shared Christ. And that gave her the hope to make a phone call, to call her grandmother, who was a believer, and say, can I come with her? I need help. I want to change. Grandma welcomed her into her house. She got cleaned up. She was attending a Bible college. She made Jesus in the world and her life was changed forever. And not only did I need to hear it, I saw it before I ever heard the word. She was new. She was new. Just three dumb guys trying to play stupid instruments in the middle of the rain downtown. If God can use that, He can use it every single day to change it. To make things. Better.